All right, we're going to be in Hebrews today, Hebrews chapter 2. And again, the theme will not change through the whole book of Hebrews. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And so just briefly, if you'll remember last week, we were looking at how uh, in the older days that God uh, revealed himself through the prophets, right? In divers' uh, manners and various times, sundry times and divers' manners, I believe the King James says, various times, various ways, God revealed himself through the prophets. And so we looked at a few different examples of prophets and how God had revealed himself through them. But then we saw that in these last days, God has revealed himself through whom? Through Jesus, right? And you guys, if there is, hopefully again, at our church, the core of what we do is that we always lift up Christ uh, to ourselves and to our community. And then that is exactly what we are going to do today. And again, this message this morning is, um, it is a warning. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's look together in Hebrews chapter 2. And we're just going to do verses 1 through 4. And hopefully the Lord will encourage us today about what we need to do to make sure we are diligent in our pursuit of Christ. How shall we escape? Let's look together. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. This is King James to start off with. The Bible says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So the reminder today is very simple. Jesus is better and his message is greater. Now, we are going to skip around a little bit. I told you guys we wouldn't go verse by verse through the whole book of Hebrews. But if you look in the end of chapter 1, you'll see a whole discussion about the angels and how Jesus is better than the angels. And so today, as you're looking in the first few verses of chapter 2, you're also going to see there that the word was revealed by angels, but the word we're talking about today is the word revealed by Christ. Now, I hope that you'll hear this out today, and I have a really good quote for you if you'll let it sink in. You may feel like this passage is somewhat threatening, but I would let you know that this whole book of Hebrews is full of warnings. Are you ever glad to be warned? Right? Hey, look what's coming. Get ready, right? Even right now, the whole state of Indiana got a warning, a security bulletin from the state of Louisiana for ransomware attacks that are happening. So all the computer hackers like to get in and they lock down systems and then they hit the, the departments for money. And you guys may have heard some of this. They do it for hospitals and businesses. Well, the whole education department of Louisiana got hit with a ransomware attack and basically said, we're going to hold your data captive until you pay us some money. Well, that state, because of what they went through, they warned us and said, hey, get ready. So we could kind of harden our systems and try to get our backups all in a good, good way. It's good to be warned sometimes, right? 
And we don't want to always live in a state of warning and a state of fear, but we want to be alert. We want to be sober. We saw that again even in our Sunday school class this morning. And here's the quote I have for you I thought was really good from Oswald Chambers. God never threatens, and the devil never warns. That's pretty good, isn't it, right? God doesn't, you've heard this from your parents probably, I don't make threats, I make promises. Amen? Right? <laughs> and to that extent, God never threatens. God doesn't like try to scare you with something that he's really not going to do. God acts. Let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. Jesus says that's how he was. That's what he expects of us. But the second part I thought was very interesting, especially after what we've been through with our warrior challenge. The devil never warns. If you're getting a warning about your spiritual self, about being on the right track, that is not from the devil, all right? And so what we have here from the Word of God is some warnings, some things that you're going to need to take note of, and this is going to be in many places throughout the book of Hebrews. Now today, please hear me. You already have done this a little bit. I hope that you will take some time today to reflect on the things that you are grateful for. Amen? Has God been good to us? Wow, right? Um, and you, you guys, you know, I have to share from my experience. That's all I've got It's my experience. Some of you have had very varied and different experiences, but this year by being able to go to India, and I'm sure if I went to many other places in the world to come back, it's like, wow, our blessing is immense. The things that we have is just incredible. And so to be thankful in those things. I hope today that you will think about your family and your friends and God's provision and God's spiritual blessings in your life and reflect on those things. But the heart of this passage today that we're going to look at here is a warning. It's a reminder to stay on track, to pursue Christ at all costs, lest we do what? King James says, lest we slip. And that's where the danger is, right? We don't want to slip. We have been given so much. We have a clear demonstration of the gospel. And so the whole point of this message today is to work our way through this. If in the Old Testament people faced the judgment of God when they neglected what they were given, how can we expect to escape God's judgment if we neglect what we have been given? That's the whole argument. All right, so we're going to work our way, process our way through that a little bit. Let's go back to verse 1, and here it is in NIV, a little more modern English. And the author of Hebrews writes this. They say, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Have you guys seen the problem today that many people have? Right? Have you uh, had anybody almost run into you while they were looking their phone? Have you been on the road and had somebody in your lane coming the other way and then just at the last second you saw them swerve and recognize that? Have you seen somebody right to the side of you? Right? Pay what? Pay attention, right? <laughs> There's a risk in not paying attention, isn't there? And that's what the author of Hebrews says. Pay attention. Look around you. Be aware. And again, I just keep going back to this, but we've had six really intense weeks of reminders to spiritually be on guard, to pay attention to what is going on around us. And so the author says, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not, and the King James says, drift away. What causes us to drift, right? 
I'm sure that nobody really has much going on this week. Amen? For some folks, this is one of the worst weeks of their life because their family is coming to their house. <laughs> that should be like the best week of your life that your family is coming, right? And there's all this pressure and all this, I've got to get everything ready and it's got to look just right. And I just hope they don't talk politics or religion at the table because it's going to go really bad if they do, right? There's all this pressure, Okay. And what we have to be careful of is that in the busyness of life that we do not drift. You guys, that's why I'm so thankful you're here today. This is one of the things that you do to help yourself pay attention, to stay alert, right? It's a simple thing. You show up and you worship the Lord. You give and you pray and you hug each other and remind yourself you're not alone. And then you try to feed yourself on God's word, whether it's in Sunday school class or Rick's scripture reading or in this message that you get each week. But this is a reminder to help you pay attention. It's kind of funny that one of the things that sometimes we have a hard time paying attention, maybe we're in church, but actually that habit of study and of fellowship helps us from drifting. That's why church is important. All right. It's why you need to be here. It's why you need to encourage other people to be here because it helps us to stay on track. This is from Matthew Henry. It's very good. And so I put it on the screen for you guys to see it with me. He says, Those meet with an inconceivable loss who let gospel truths which they had received slip out of their minds. They have lost a treasure far better than thousands of gold and silver. The seed is lost, their time and pains in hearing lost, and their hopes of a good harvest lost. All is lost if the gospel be lost. There's some things you can lose in your life, right? Things we don't want to. I guess there's like a whole thing now about if you're without your phone, they've got like a phobia for that. Has somebody heard that? There's like a name for it, okay? There are things that we are afraid of losing, right? And there are things that really trouble us when we lose them. But here's the thing. If the gospel be lost, it's all gone, right? And for some of us, our gain of the gospel was work, wasn't it, right? It didn't come easy. It came through trial. It came through suffering. It came through some hardship of the Lord to get our attention, Boy, to lose something so precious, even after everything we had to get through, to go through, to receive it, to lose it, would be a horrible, horrible thing. And so our reminder is this morning is to pay attention that we do not slip, that we do not drift away. We must pay attention to what we've heard. You guys, I could take a poll here this morning, and I think you guys could do a better job than I could do even of saying what are all the things that help us to pay attention. Studying the Scripture definitely helps us pay attention Meditating on the Word of God on a daily basis helps us pay attention. Meeting together to learn about the truth of the Word helps us pay attention. Praying and praying individually and praying together helps us pay attention. And doing what you've learned helps you pay attention. But let me give you something I think will challenge you today. Get out in the darkness with your candle where you are serving God in a difficult place and you will really pay attention. All right? When I go into the jail and I have to share there, I really pay attention. Uh, I had some friends came and meet with me last Sunday, and I was so nervous about what they were entrusting to me, and I wanted to help them so desperately. And that's probably the most I prayed specifically for somebody intentionally in a while because I needed God because I couldn't do that, right? We studied on Wednesday night. Nehemiah goes before the king. And it says, for days he mourned, he fasted, and uh, he wept, 
And then he steps up before the king, and the king says, what do you want? And he says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then he came out with his plan. (laughs) His need for God was great because he was stepping into a place of action. This week at school, we were having a whole discussion about what should be decoration and holiday, and should we have anything Christian symbols anywhere? And it was in with all of our admins in the building, and the preacher opened his mouth. And I was, haven't been that scared and shaky in a while to try to say, I don't think this is right. Right? And after I did that, you know what really hit me? Is I should have thanked the God of heaven first before I opened my mouth. I didn't that day. <laughs> I regretted it, right? When you step out in faith, guess what happens to all those spiritual senses? They get awakened, don't they, Right? If you're doing the same thing over and over, if you're seeking your own self day after day after day and you're not stepping out in faith, it's easy to slip. It's easy to drift away. But when you put yourself in a place where you're going to have some risk, where you're going to need that spiritual armor that we've talked about, then those spiritual senses are going to be heightened and you're going to be really listening and seeking the Lord. Your danger of slipping will not be as great when we are taking risks for the Lord. Anyway, I want you to hold to that. Here's another quote here from D.A. Carson. And again, a reminder that this is work. It's not something that just happens. D.A. Carson says, People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from a grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness or prayer, obedience to the Scripture, faith, or delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise, but to make ourselves feel better, what do we do? We call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience, and we call that freedom. We drift towards superstition, and we call that faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control, and we call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Everything is pulling against you to slip to drift, right? You guys even recognize this in your body, right? As we get older, especially. How many of you just love to get up early and do extra sit-ups and push-ups? And how many of you love to watch what you eat on a daily basis? How many of you really thrive on that? What happens to the old body? It drifts, doesn't it, right? (laughs) Everything within it is to kind of relax, to slip, to ease. Spiritually, it's the same way. Everything within us is to to slip and drift. And so we have to work. All right, look in verse two. If the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, the author of Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? So we don't want to slip. We don't want to drift. And if we don't take heed, the danger is just as great as it was for people before When the angels spoke, their word was binding. When they spoke both promises and blessings, and when they also spoke curses, they were upheld. Are you following me today? Because an angel was a messenger of the Lord very much. Literally, that's what angel means. The word literally means a messenger, all right? When an angel spoke, if it spoke blessings, did those blessings come to pass? They did. If they spoke curses, did those curses come to pass? They did. If the angel's words were binding, then the point is how much more the words of Jesus Those who disobeyed the message given by angels face a just punishment. But the message we now have was not given by angels. This gospel was given by the very Son of God. 
And if those who disobeyed the messages given by angels were punished, how can we expect to escape if we neglect the salvation given through Christ? Can you hear that today? I don't, think, I don't know if you're hearing it. I don't know if you're getting it yet, right? If the Lord of heaven saw us in the midst of our sin, right? What's it say in Romans 5 eight? But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. If the God of heaven offered up his only son as a sacrifice for us, and we say, yeah, I don't think I need that. I'm all right. I'm good. If we neglect that, do you think there will be any recompense to that? Again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I have a really good Sunday school class. They're pretty amazing. (laughs) We talked a little bit again about what's going on in our world today, and there's a whole generation that is trying to remove the idea of sin and shame from their context. Wendy's cousin was down in Nashville at a restaurant this week, and she posted on Facebook and said she overheard a couple young people that were working the coffee bar there, and they were really disappointed in a political candidate because that political candidate came out that they were against pornography. Like, what? And they said, well, then they're going to promote a culture of shame if they're against pornography. We are facing a crisis generationally because what's happening is our kids are coming up and they're trying to say, well, is there really such a thing as sin? And what happens is, is they don't want to confront a creator because if you confront a creator, what happens? If there is a creator, and if he made me, and if he revealed himself <laughs> through these scriptures, and if he is holy, and if he causes sin to be punished, but he's also created a path for salvation, but it's through the gift of his son, and forgiveness is based on me confessing my sin and receiving him, then sin is a real deal, isn't it? Right? So if I can deny a creator, then I can just live in my Sin, we won't call it sin. Let's not have anything be wrong, right? That's what we're facing. And here's what I want you to hear today from the Word of God. We have a plethora of examples. We're going to hit a few of them here this morning where the angel spoke a message of truth, of blessings and curses. And when the people disobeyed the Word of God, there was punishment for their sin. That's what the Bible says. And if the gospel that we hold was given not by angels, but given by the very Son of God, and we neglect it, ah, it's not for me. That's not something important to me. I don't think that really matters. Really, does it? How will we escape? I hope you're hearing the words of the Lord today. Escape what? Escape the punishment, the just punishment for our sins. How shall we escape if we neglect or ignore so great salvation. Let's look at a few examples. You guys will remember in the Old Testament, Moses goes up the mountain and he's getting the commandments, the commands of God, right? And while he's up there on the mountain for 40 days and he comes back down with his face glowing, what's going down at the bottom of the mountain? I start, my back's kind of feeling funny. Or I'd start dancing for you really a lot here today, right? It was a party, right? At the bottom of the mountain, whoo Let's celebrate. Let's be in liberty. We've been released from our bondage. Let's create some gods 
and let's worship them and praise them for what we've done. So they went around and said, give us some of your jewelry. You got some of that jewelry from Egypt anyways, right? You were able to take some of that out. Let's put it together. We'll have the artisans melt it all up and fashion a golden calf, right? And so they worship this golden calf. Of course, Moses, you know the story, comes down in anger, and the Lord begins to expose their sin, and then he's going to punish them for their sin. Now look, if you would, Exodus chapter 32, verse 27. This, you're going to say, this is crazy harsh. And it is crazy harsh. But this is an example of a just God who punishes sin, who punishes wickedness. And it's a truth as old as creation. And it's something that we need to make sure that our young people coming up understand that this is how our creator, this is how he acts and works. Exodus 32, 27. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. And the Levites did as Moses commanded. And that day about 3,000 of the people died. And Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today for you are against your own sons and brothers and he has blessed you this day. Whoa. You weren't expecting this message today when you came for a Thanksgiving meal, were you? <laughs> right? We kind of joke around with sin. We kind of take it lightly. We kind of think it, well, you know, because we're forgiven, we almost kind of like, oh, it's okay. The Lord forgave me. It's not a big deal. Look at the big deal. Right? God said, you're going to worship something other than me after I've liberated you, after you've had my cloud by day and my fire by night, after I've spared your firstborn when I killed the firstborn of all of Egypt. You're going to come out and worship another God. You are going to see the wrath of the holy God that you are serving. And so God's wrath was poured out on his own people by his own people. Justice came harshly. Hear the words of the Lord today. God is love, amen? He's benevolent, he's gracious, he's kind, he's slow to anger, but God is also wrath, and that is what the Scripture teaches. And I would be a lousy preacher if all I ever did was say God is love, and I never pointed out the truth that there will be a just punishment for sin. By the way, there already was a just punishment for sin. Jesus bore that on the tree. And if we would receive that gift, guess what? He would forgive us. But if we are to neglect that gift, how will we escape? Are you tracking with me now? I feel like that you're coming along a little better. Let's look at a couple other examples. If you want to, you turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, and verses 1 down uh, through 13. There's quite a few examples in this one passage and a reminder that if God's own people didn't obey, they would face his punishment. Then how can we, who have received the truth of the gospel through the Son of God, how can we escape? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Paul there writes, says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. See the blessings, Right? If you had seen, if you had been in a place where all of the people of that place, you were in exile, and all the people of that place lost their firstborn, and all of your firstborn were persevered, do you think that would kind of get your attention? 
If you had seen where a leader of your people came in and called for the frogs to come, and the frogs came. And when he said them, told them to leave, they left. When he told the lice to come, they came. And when he told them to leave, they left. When the locusts, he called them to come, they came. And then after they left, do you think that might get your attention? Right? When you went out of this country after being in bondage for over 400 years, and in the daytime, there was always this cloud hovering you, and at night, there was like a pillar of fire over you. Do you think you would at least pay attention to that there was a God who cared, right? Now, I'm kind of setting you up here this morning just a little bit, okay? Think of all the blessings that the Israelites had, and yet, we're going to see in just a minute, nevertheless, some of them are going to forsake him. Now, we don't have those, kind of, that, those good blessings, do we, today? <laughs> you have the gospel as clear as anyone has ever had it. Do you recognize that today? You people sitting here today, you have such a clear picture of the whole plan of God. Those people, they didn't see Jesus like we can see Jesus, right? We are, have evidence of the resurrection. We have seen the, the expanse of the church over 2,000 years. We've seen God's word. People have tried to destroy it and extinguish it, and it holds up for all that time. We have been able to see those things. So before we get too hard on our Israelite brethren, we might want to recognize God's blessing in our own life. Look down there again, if you would, in verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So here's the list. You guys pay attention to these things. These are the things that we want to avoid and helps us to know what to pursue that we would not neglect our salvation. Verse 7, do not be what? Idolaters, right? As some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they got up to indulge in revelry. Verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be what? Be careful that you do not fall, that you don't fall. No temptation has ever has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, if you look at that passage, I hope what you see is there. You see an example of people who forsake the Lord, and then they find a just recompense of reward, as the King James says. They get punished for their sins. Time and time again, God's people neglect him, and then God punishes them for their sins. And then you get that warning in verse 12. And this is the same idea I think the author of Hebrews is trying to give to us today. If you think you are standing firm, what? <laughs> Be careful. The author of Hebrews says, pay attention. So I want to challenge you today and challenge myself today. Are we paying attention? Right? Are we being careful? Now, there's a wonderful promise right at the end of this, right? When temptation comes to be an idolater, when temptation comes to have immorality, when temptation comes to test the Lord, when temptation comes to grumble, when all of those temptations comes, what is the promise of God? He will make a way of escape. Praise the Lord. 
right? Some people, they use this verse in the wrong way. They say, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm going to tell you, everybody in here will give a time when God gave them more than they can handle. Amen? Yeah, right? We have friends and family that are going through so much and the things that they're battling, you've even shared today, is more than they can handle. But the promise here is that when the time comes to sin against God, where we would be tempted to grumble or to test or to forsake him for immorality or idolatry, God says, I will make a way that you can escape that temptation. And he does, doesn't he? Right? Today, pay attention and be careful. God will make a way out. And that's what the scripture is saying. All right, look back if you would in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, the second part of verse 3. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That's an amazing thought. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So a few reminders here. The salvation is a great salvation. The salvation offered through the gospel truly is great. It will take everything from you, but it costs you nothing. Surrender is what is expected and what is accepted. How can we neglect something so great and so simple? All right, let's, on our final point this morning, let's wrap this up together. What assurance do we have that this salvation is true and real? How do I know that the gospel is true and real? And we had a good, again, some good questions in our Sunday school about this this morning. First thing the Word of God says is it was announced. This salvation was first announced by the Lord. Now, some of you guys probably find this preacher up here a little boring. I don't blame you, right? Occasionally, that is the way it is, right? But what if Billy Graham or Tony Evans or maybe even some prominent politician would speak to you? You might be a little more inclined to listen, right? If Tony Evans was speaking, I'd be a lot more inclined to listen, Okay? But what if the Son of God was speaking to you? Did you catch that? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Jesus spoke this truth. The gospel that we've received is from the Son. Jesus is better. If you can't listen to Jesus, who will you listen to? All right. Briefly, look in Luke chapter 16. You guys remember the rich man Lazarus, right? Lazarus is the beggar. He's outside the gate. He has nothing. The rich man's inside. The rich man won't give him even a scrap. But the rich man passes him every day. Well, the scripture says that when they both pass away, Lazarus ends up in the bosom of Abraham or the place that's positioned towards paradise. And the rich man is where? He's in hell, right? And what is on the rich man's heart? Let me tell you, it isn't all, let's get the party going, right? As some people want to say, oh, hell's going to be a big party for all the sinners, for all those hedonists. They're going to have a wonderful time. No, 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 no. What is in this man's heart? He says, oh, would you please, please send Lazarus to go and tell my family what the truth is so they can avoid this place. Look together with me. Luke chapter 16, verse 25, Abraham replied, son, remember, speaking to the rich man, that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm and has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 
Verse 27, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them. Hear the warning today. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. You hear the word today? <laughs> they have Moses and the prophets. The truth has already been given. Let your brothers listen to Moses and the prophets. Verse 30. No, Father Abram, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. If you send Lazarus back from the dead, they'll repent. And he says, Abraham says to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And he's not talking about Lazarus. Who's he talking about? Jesus. You guys, here's the truth. If you're not going to take the message from the Son of God who is resurrected, you're not going to take the message from anyone. How you neglect it. Why in the world would you neglect a message from a dead man who's alive again? <laughs> right? Lord, help us to never do that. In these last days, it not only was announced, it has been confirmed and was confirmed to us by them that heard him. Just briefly look in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Peter confirming this message. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God is received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Amen. It's been confirmed. And you guys, you want to study on your church history, you'll know that almost all of the uh, apostles minus John, and John was, he suffered extensively. All the others were martyred and evidence to their message. And then thirdly, they were witness to. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will, right? So you could go through the book of Acts and see all the wonders that God did to demonstrate the authority of the message of his son. In John chapter 15, we see the Spirit has come to remind us of this. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is confirmation of the message of the gospel through the Son. And finally, the extraordinary things. One example I wanted to share with you is Acts chapter 19. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and their evil spirits left them. And by the way, God is still doing this. We shared this with you on Wednesday night a couple nights ago uh, that Sindhu has been seeing God doing great movements even there in India as he speaks the truth of the gospel. So the message this morning is very simple. The message of the Son, the gospel, is valid. It was testified by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts, and it is still changing lives today. <laughs> you don't have to just read stories in the New Testament or the Old Testament to say, oh, well, I guess that really did something. There are stories right now of people whose lives are changed by Jesus. Amen? 
And another reminder that we should not neglect so great a salvation. So my challenge to you this morning is very simple. Will you neglect the gospel message or will you receive it and pursue it? If I warn you that if you take this curve too fast on this cliff, that peril awaits you, I've done my job. Amen? It's up to you to heed the warning. This morning, I have done that to you. I'm telling you today, how will you escape if you neglect so great a salvation as the gospel given by Jesus? This week, I hope you would do the same thing for other people in your life. That in the most positive way and with the Lord's leading, with the Holy Spirit directing and guiding, that you would share with people that you love a warning that if they neglect the gospel, they do so to their own peril. All right. Close with this illustration. In the winter 1991 issue of the Pacific Review, it offers a chilling description of the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster. You guys remember hearing about Chernobyl probably, right? Even you young ones have heard about it. There were two electrical engineers in the control room that night, and the best thing that could be said for what they were doing is they were playing around with the machine. They were performing what the Soviets later described as an authorized experiment. They were trying to see how long a turbine would freewheel when they took the power off of it. Now, taking the power off that kind of a nuclear reactor is a difficult, dangerous thing to do because these reactors are very unstable in their lower ranges. In order to get the reactor down to that kind of power where they could perform the test they were interested in performing, they had to manually override six separate computer-driven alarm systems. Six different ones they had to ignore. One by one, the computers would come up and say, stop, dangerous, go no further. And one by one, rather than shutting off the experiment, they shut off the alarms and they kept going. And you know the results. Nuclear fallout that was recorded all around the world from the largest industrial accident ever to occur. The instructions and the warnings in Scripture are just as clear. We ignore them at our own peril and tragically at the peril of innocent others. Maybe today God has been sending you some warning signs. It may be more than one, maybe many. Maybe today he is telling you that you will pay the consequences if you neglect so great a salvation. And so I hope you'll hear my challenge today, very simple and clear. And I'm trying to let the word of the Lord speak today. I would love to have just come in and said, oh, let's see what we can be thankful for and have that kind of message. But I feel like the Lord wanted us to hear a message today that was a reminder to pay attention, to be careful, to stay on track. And so I'll close with this scripture here. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my uh, presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Amen? Let's be working this week, all right? Let's be paying attention. Let's be careful. And let's show other people the warning signs in a loving way so that they would be able to avoid that just punishment that we speak of. Jesus has already paid the punishment. If we would receive it and pursue him, then we have hope and purpose now. Praise the Lord. That's our message, all right? Let's stand this morning. Again, if you would today, we'll just take just a moment to pray together. I'm going to go at the piano and play just a little bit. But if you would take this time and just be honest and open before the Lord. 
And if you find yourself in patterns that are slipping and drifting away, then I pray that you would be honest for the Lord today and say, Lord, forgive me and help me to stay on track. Would you help my mind and my heart be chasing those things that matter? And maybe today you feel like you're in a good spot with the Lord, but you have people that you love and you care about and you see them slipping, you see them drifting away. And today as we pray, would you pray for them? Would you pray that God would recapture their attention and their hearts and that he would draw them to him? And they'd be mindful of this truth that Jesus is the way to real life. Let's take a little time to pray together this morning.